0: All right, and we are on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, our first official Trivelo Coaching Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm here with my dad and head coach and founder of Trivelo Coaching, and that is Gerard Donnelly. And I say this is our first official podcast because this is the first time that we're going to be uploading it to all the fancy podcast apps. Uh, But for those who have been following us for a while, you would have seen our... Uh, weekly videos on Facebook or other forms of social media. Uh, but this is our first official podcast, so it's pretty exciting. Welcome, Dad.
1: Thanks, George. Yeah, I'm pretty keen uh, and excited. And as usual, I'm learning so much about technology from yourself, uh, and I'm following along and loving it.
0: Exactly right. So Trivella Coaching, uh, we are specialists in cycling and triathlon coaching. And I say we, but I'm not really the specialist. Uh, that's, that's Dad's role. But I'm just here to ask questions and learn just like you guys. And I help with the technology side of things and I really love this part of the job because I ask questions uh, on this podcast and on this show and I get to find out the same answers you guys do. So for today, we're going to jump straight into uh, a bit of a broader topic, but something that uh, we discussed and thought would really help everyone, and that is how to fundamentally be a better cyclist. So we we're talking and there are a lot of factors, um, and this is what you, you were saying to me, there's a lot of factors that contribute to becoming a better cyclist uh, as a whole package and they that comes down to the fundamentals of what you need to get right as well as a lot of the percenters. So that's what we're going to be diving into today and uh, I guess we want to start straight away and go off with a bang and go what, what, is, what is key to becoming a better cyclist as a whole and what if someone comes to you and says I want to be a better cyclist what, what comes to your mind straight away?
1: Uh, it's a great question Jordan but I'm just so stumped by that question because I've got 75 different answers for it and you did ask me earlier you know what is the number one uh key thing that you would say to someone um and I said probably that uh, every session has a goal purpose and an outcome and if if that can be achieved you will improve no matter what else happens if you don't have a goal purpose and an outcome then you're at the mercy of uh, the other bunches, the bunch riders in your in your bunch. You'll just be a, a follower, um, and you won't have any uh, structure um, to to, to uh, improve upon. You'll be doing the same things day in day out on the bike, which which is fun to a point, but then becomes boring because, yeah, um, a little bit disillusioned that you're not improving and so really the, the basic fundamentals to be a better bike rider is to stick to a, a process that has a goal and an outcome for each each session
0: perfect yeah so that was one of the part of the first question i wanted to get across as well is if you if you get a training program someone so someone comes to you and says i want to be better and you give them a training program is fundamentally a training program enough to make someone better
1: the, the athlete will definitely improve with, with, you know, the examples we've had of uh, the Herald Sun would do a Steve Monteghetti um, train for a marathon program, which is as vague and as general as you can, you, you could get. But athletes who follow it will do better than people who just say, I'm going for a run today and then start running and think, I feel like I'll do 15 minutes and with no real idea of how fast or, Um, what intensity. Um, And for someone who says, right, today, Monday is my recovery day, tomorrow's my hard day, Wednesday's my tempo day, Thursday's my hard day, that that sort of structure will give you such an advantage over a person who's just going to ride or run or whatever with a group that are doing whatever the group wants to do, um, rather than specifically what you're outcome uh, is, is to be achieved from your session. So yeah, to have to have sort of um, that as your goal, that the training program alone will improve you, um, but uh, it'll only improve you to a certain point. Um,
0: so for someone who, again, the goal is to become better to start with, but become really good, what does it take? You, you, do, you did use the word fundamentals and one percenters, which is why you chose this topic. Um, Let's start with the fundamentals. What does it take um, fundamentally to have not just some structure, but to go, because you want to go another level, right? You want to go not just hard day Monday, easy day Tuesday. What are the fundamentals of a training program?
1: Yep. So I was just thinking before when you were asking me that, I'm trying to think of an analogy to make it really clear. Like if you're a tennis player, and we all know that tennis players have a rally, and if you get to have a hit with your mate, the first thing you want to do is have a hit, have a rally. But to start the match, you need to serve. And if you just have a rally all the time and don't do any serving, you're going to be struggling in a tennis match in a game. It's the same thing as a bike rider or a triathlete. If if you just concentrate on riding with a bunch all the time and not have the fundamentals such as the endurance ride, and I'll go through them, yeah. the endurance ride is probably the basis of all um structure that you need and despite having any other aspect of your training if you don't have that endurance ride and have an aerobic fitness base you can't do the other things well
0: so one endurance ride
1: one endurance ride per week is paramount to to your improvement and this is what we're talking about here not your enjoyment your improvement if you're after enjoyment then sure stay with your bunch do the same thing day in day out week in week out year in year out that's a different story here. Yeah. We're talking about improvement.
0: Yeah. And what defines an endurance rider?
1: Okay, so you have to look at, you know, I'll use the athletics again. Um, if, you, if you're if you aiming for an 800 metre or, or a 1500 or a 5K, you, you're going to have a little bit of a difference in, in endurance length as a marathon or a half marathon. So the longer the event, obviously the correlation between um the endurance time um is greater so um if you're doing 800s to to 1500s your endurance run as you've experienced would be around that you know one to one and a half hours Uh, and that's ample um for a bike rider who's just doing crit races that last for an hour you know a three hour endurance ride is is pretty good value because you're doing you know pretty much uh three times the amount of your event yeah um uh, so if you're training for a road race that's, for example, the World Road Race Championships each year or 150K, you'd need to be doing, you know, at least that each each weekend, 140 to 180 to 200K rides. Um, the Three Peaks event's an eight-hour event. What's your endurance ride for that? You need to be doing lots of four- to eight-hour endurance rides regularly. So it does vary according to the length of your event.
0: Yeah, and I just found this really funny that, I asked you this exact question two or three weeks ago and I forgot your answer (laughs) and I just realized I've I've asked the question again, but that's funny because I sit next to you all day and I hear you on your coaching calls and I hear you repeat the same information and you tell me that you tear your hair out sometimes saying the same thing over and over and people just don't hear it. And um, if you haven't got the experience, then it's understandable, but that's why these fundamentals are so important is that you can tell anyone over and over again what they need to do. But People really need to grasp the concept that there are these fundamental sessions that you need to do each week and yep. understand the purpose of them yep. like you said they need there's a goal and an outcome for each session and yep. you need to do them to actually make you, your training work worthwhile
1: Yeah, and it also draw depends on what phase you're in uh, aiming towards your uh, end result um you could be you know, for some of the triathletes um one of the guys has just asked me for port macquarie training program 2019 May, yeah. now that's a that's a big program. That's yeah. a year. So we would train that person with with a little bit of a, a variation um, because we want them peaking in um, April May of next year. Um, sure, we get them into other events along the way um, as practice, yeah. um, as we've talked about in some of the other podca- podcasts. Yeah. But we certainly want to make sure that um, depending on the length of the program determines uh, what what are the fundamentals and how quickly. That are implemented into your program. Okay. Um, so, do you want me to go on with some? Yeah, so some one, other.
0: One, what is endurance. What else do you need to do? Each week, okay, so,
1: so obviously, and I shouldn't say that word obviously, because um, it's not yeah. obvious to everybody. Otherwise, they wouldn't need a coach. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, you know to, to get an effective training program, you need to have someone who has an idea about how to improve you and. And the fu- one of the fundamentals that you need to do is something that's above the intensity of your race or your event. It doesn't have to be a race. It can yeah. just be your your main event. So you need to push your, your body beyond what it's normally used to. So you can't do that a lot day after day. And that's the downfall of some bunch groups where they're continually riding at as hard as they possibly can every day, um, which eventually will be too tiring and they'll go downhill rather than improve. Um, so you really need to have some sort of intensity into, into your, into your training load during the week. Um, and the reason we could use the, uh, the weight training analogy here where you, you're lifting or squatting a hundred kilo and you just keep doing a hundred kilo for 10 weeks. And the guy beside you does a hundred kilo one week and then eventually goes 10, 10 kilo more each week. He will, after 10 weeks, be able to push 200 kilo or whatever the maths is for that, yeah. 220 <laughs> kilo. Um, and the guy will still be pushing 100 kilo, and the difference between the two athletes will be phenomenal in what they can lift. Um, the same with, um, with the intensity. The progressive overload of the intensity enables the athlete to have a, a, a stimulus that creates in the body to make it adapt to the higher level the next time they train. So all the time we're trying to push the body, uh, we, we identify what the race-specific intensity is, and if we can – train above it come race day it should be um a controllable thing that we we have no difficulty with we should Mm. be in control of what what we're achieving so the intensity and that can vary to one session two sessions or three sessions a week depending on your sport and your length of your sport Um, and i mean you know it could be a 100 meter sprinter a 400 meter runner a criterium rider or a, a time trialist. You know, it, it really depends on what your sport is, and that.
0: De- don't coach any sprinters, so for, you know, for cyclists, what, yeah. So, you high
1: so in our in our cycling races, we really need to practice sprinting. So, so it's it it is something that I do get some some guys who that is their thing that they are out and out. I hate to say it, sit on sprinters, <laughs> but we we have that sort of rider in, and we should have that sort of rider. Um, but my job is to make them a bit of, a bit of an all rounder, so that they can actually not just be a one, um, what's the word, a, a one string to their bow. It's, yeah. They need they need one several. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, and we we try to improve their endurance. We try to improve their um, their overall. Um, strength and power and not just in for sprinting so that they can actually go with attacks and be strong enough to not just sit on um and you know make a break and and roll on the break so so certainly um the the sprinting uh side of it that they would need to be doing um high explosive short intensity sessions you know less than 10 second sprints but repeated so that because you don't normally get to sprint in the middle of the race the sprinters at the end so you could have a really hard race and then have to sprint, mm. so you need to be practicing sprinting when you're tired. Mm. And it's great; people can sprint fresh, no problem. But it's a different outcome. And you, you see the Tour de France or the Giro or whatever those pro races are. The difference between guys who are really good sprinters and then see what they're like after after riding 280k in sprint. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, not always the best sprinter wins in those conditions because the the best sprinter who can sprint fatigued who will win. So
0: that's a that's a big factor in the high intensity sessions is. Thinking about you know specifically probably what your strength, strengths and weaknesses are and that needs to go into your programming as well as yeah the, the race specificity of what,
1: what yeah yeah. yeah it's a it's a whole another topic isn't yeah. it and yeah. and look I've got a lot of the athletes asking me what do you think is my best event and and it's easy for me to to because I'm I'm not emotionally attached to them I can say listen Jordan your physique and your weight and your height allows you to probably uh, climb quite well, um, and you're a bit of an all rounder. Whereas a really strong, powerful guy who carries uh, not overweight, but carries a lot of weight because of his height—you uh, know, a, a 95 to 100 kilo guy—would um, normally be a good sprinter type and not a good hill rider. Yeah. So I would steer them away from events that involve 4,000 yeah. meters worth of climbing. Yeah. I would keep them on criteriums or road yeah. races, or yeah. that's um, as well. For yeah, yeah. So it's quite, it's quite an easy, uh, and you know. Somatotyping is 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 exactly that. Yeah. You know, we've seen examples of countries that, uh, from birth, are uh, trying to find out what their um, their country's athletes uh, are good at. So they test them for everything, um, for gymnastics. Yeah. for for yeah. uh, for max VO two testing yeah. for the you know for their aerobic capacity, um, which
0: would be pretty brutal. But you understand why they're doing it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it, you know there will always be people who sn- who can um, um, get past the system that says they're not going to be that because mm. there's a there's another aspect to to, to competing in that's your brain mm. and which we're not talking about today. But yeah. but that is such a, a value valuable tool in in the actual. Uh, um, athlete's com- competitive uh, skill set. Um, that's not to be underestimated, but we're not talking about that today. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. And um, that can be a topic for another day because it's definitely interesting talking about, you know, VO2 max or, or yep. that kind of data. So on average, uh, one to three high-intensity sessions a week, you probably go two as a... As yeah, a
1: generally. And look, because we have a seven-day week with work, five days of work, two days off, yeah. we try to do midweek, the two high-intensity sessions. Yep. And generally it works with people who have normal jobs, are uh, Tuesday, Thursdays, you would schedule in for your high-intensity sessions. um, And, you know, you would then have either an option on the race day for the weekend um, or you try and implement some of that intensity into your endurance ride because we're a little bit time poor because we work. Um, So we have to combine a few sessions. That's right. If you are certainly uh, uh, not working, you could, you know, you could throw in um, a third-intensity session um, because you'd have the time to recover as well. So...
0: Which brings
1: us to what the third main... Yeah, so recovery is... um, So you've got your endurance ride, you've got your high-intensity rides, and uh, in between that, you could have um, your easy session, which is different to your recovery session. And a lot of people get confused with that. Um, The recovery session is basically trying to achieve recovery. There's no real fitness gain in the recovery session, whereas the easy session is somewhat... Harder than the recovery, but easier than any other session. So there still is a fitness game. Yeah. And there is a bit of a difference. So you can go for a two, three-hour uh, easy session um, with with your mates as long as you're not going above the threshold level that we set. I call it the coffee ride sometimes. Yeah. So there's an aerobic uh, uh, gain there, um, yeah. aerobic fitness gain. Whereas a recovery session, you're just trying to allow your your, your working muscles to recover, recover from the previous hard day say it's a Sunday where you rode a race, Monday is recovery just to get uh, the the body back in shape for Tuesday's hard intensity session.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I really like this topic because I I know myself and I know you've said this a lot. I know anyone listening might think, yeah, 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 recovery session. I get it. It's easy. Um, But I know you get surprised at how 95% of the athletes or anyone that you give a recovery session to get it wrong. And don't do a recovery
1: ride. Yeah, and uh, look, I've got lots of articles and lots of uh, information. The Kenyans are classic at it. Uh, they do their recovery sessions at an astronomically slow pace, mm. and they're just jogging, talking, jogging, um, and you know, it could be half an hour or forty-five minutes max. Um, and depending on what event they're training for, they're cross-country runners, marathon runners, or track runners. Yeah. But but you know. For people to understand that the Kenyans can, you know, who can all run at two twenty-kilometer pace, or you know, they can do an eight hundred in one forty. They can, you know, yeah, ego can, could get the better of them. They, they that's right. Pass, and and they train together, which is something that um, Australians or you know, we we have real trouble when we train together with ego, yeah. and uh, one guy might feel. Like today's ride isn't a recovery ride and the rest of the group think it's a recovery ride and that's one of the downfalls of training with other people yeah. is the recovery ride needs to be away from other people because we can't be trusted to yeah. do it slow enough whereas the kenyans all know that the group run is an easy not an easy a recovery ride and they treat it like that yeah um whereas if we happen to have someone who's wanting to ride hard We will chase them on our recovery ride. I've seen it happen so many times. You end up doing someone else's training session and not what we said the outcome and objective is to recover.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you you, you always over-exaggerate it so that people get the point. But then, I mean, I know myself when you were coaching me through this, I still didn't get the point. And people would have to see you on your recovery ride to see how slow you go.
1: Yeah. And, look, the example is – and. For people who know, you know, they've seen me on on the road going past me, and and you know, I have always say jokingly that uh, Grandma passed me on her uh, yeah. ride to the shop bike, yeah. and that gives you an idea of what I mean. It's it's not about riding fast; it's just about getting the blood flow. Um, mm-hmm. And look, I really do that session not not very often outside because I don't actually like the undulations, yeah. um, and I don't like the fact that. People flying past me all the time, Um, so I do it on the ergo, and that way I've got control, Mm. and no one else can influence my session. So you
0: wouldn't jump on Zwift then either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, because the competitiveness of people is the issue here, and I'm calling it ego, but it's it's really competitiveness, (laughs) and and you have to be pretty strong willed to um, to keep focused on. Um, and look, sometimes it's easy to be doing a recovery ride because you're that smashed from racing well or having a hard ride the day before. And you know that if you don't do the recovery ride well, the next day you won't achieve the goal. And, and look, we had the Queen's birthday uh, weekend the other day where it's a great example of... Um, one of the guys in the bunch. I'm never going to mention names. <laughs> um, had a fantastic day out with his bunch, and you know, really rode well. And was you know, I was so so pleased that he was so pleased. But unfortunately, that wasn't the the session that he was given. And the next day, he had the high intensity session, and he couldn't even finish fifteen minutes of it. Mm-hmm. He was that tired from yeah. the day before, where he flexed his muscles and and did a different session to the one that was. Um, that was planned. And that's a great lesson. Yeah, you have to go through that to find out that, yeah. gee, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, even though he knew he shouldn't have done it. But yeah,
0: that's why I really love this topic. And that's why I really wanted to talk about this straight away is because it's there's such, um, you know, some of the most profound lessons are the most the simplest ones. And just this concept of having a goal for each session and having very simple structure, which is your endurance ride, your two high intensity sessions and your recovery ride, making sure you tick those off. And, yep. You know, you load your session into training peaks and you want to have all those green. And the amount of people that know that they're the fundamentals, but still don't mm. tick them off. Or like you said before, you know, pe- people are riding in bunches all the time, you know, every single session. One, they're not having any variation. Two, they're not ticking off these fundamental sessions that they should be. Mm. And, you know, they weeks just a rabble because of it. And whether you're a bunch rider or you're quite good um, and you actually have these sessions planned, if you're not ticking them off every single time, you, you know, you're selling stuff short.
1: Sure. Yeah, and there's a few, a lot of points you've mentioned there. The first one probably is, what's, what's wrong with doing that with the bunch ride? Well, there isn't anything wrong. Mm. If, if your outcome is that you just want to ride with your mates, you've succeeded. Perfect. Yeah. And you will actually be a good bunch rider in your bunch. Um, you'll be able to keep up, you won't get dropped, um, but as we said before, everybody has a competitive edge. Well, not everybody, yeah. some people, and a little bit of an ego, yeah. and and they won't be satisfied eventually with yeah. with that, and they'll want to progress in their little bunch yeah. to be a little bit more of a player. Yeah. Um, there's two types of bunch riders or racers. Yeah. There's spectators and instigators. Yeah. And would you want to be a spectator in your bunch where you're just following the guy who's the strong man all the time and, here he goes again, he attacks, and I have to chase, and I'm getting tighter and tighter, and he's having a ball, and I'm hating it. Mm. Or do you want to be the instigator? You want to be the guy who can, you know, play with the rest of the bunch mm. at will. Um, and the only way to do to do that, to, to make that change, is to do something different. Um, so if you keep doing the bunch ride uh, each day, each week, each month, you'll be a good bunch rider in that bunch, and that's as far as it'll go. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're sort of the. Uh, the reasons why we have goals, outcomes, and purposes of, of sessions, so that you know, if someone came to me and said, "How do I improve in my bunch?" Yeah. That's a great question because yeah. because I've got the answer for them yeah. straight away. You know, stop riding in your bunch. Yeah. Um, come and do some specific sessions. Yeah. Go back to your bunch yeah. and just watch the jaws drop yeah. as you you come back a different person. Yeah. You come back with um some some uh some assets in your armory that people go whoa yeah jaw dropping stuff how is he doing that he was crap
0: yeah
1: eight weeks ago yeah Yeah. um yeah so that's the exciting part if if you want to follow a structured program um you know it will have overload it will improve you um regardless if you follow it 100 you know even if you followed it to a, a fraction of it you'll still improve but obviously if you did the whole thing 100%, as you said, had uh, greens in training, peaks ticked off, you know, and very few people can achieve that. But if you if you do achieve that, the correlation between improvement is astounding.
0: So I would ask you then the answer: If a guy comes to you and says, uh, "How do I be better in my bunch?" You say, "Stop riding your bunch and start doing these fundamentals." Is the answer the same for a guy who is um, doing the fundamentals but wants to be better? You know, is it is is it that he needs his fundamentals to just have better outcomes and goals or, I mean, could the answer be pretty much the same?
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, you would ask the question is, okay, does he have a power meter? Does he have a heart rate strap? Mm. Uh, does he have, if he's a runner, does he know what his pace is for uh, the set 5K or the half marathon or whatever on the bike? You know, does he know what his FTP number is? Mm. Um, and if he's not, tr- if he's doing a high-intensity session without knowing what his numbers are, then he's actually not really doing the high intensity session. He might think he's riding hard because he's puffing and panting, but if he's not actually running at the pace or riding at the power, then or swimming at the you know the right mm-hmm. um, lap pace, then um, you, you're actually just training blind. Yep. Um, so it's nearly as bad as bunch riding, yep. um, but it's a step above. Yep. Um, but it's still not at where you should be. Yeah,
0: definitely. And then anyway, obviously the last point is just aiming for those three ticks each time because you can doing the fundamentals, but if you're doing four out of six sessions or five out of six or six out of six, but not hitting your goals, then yeah, you're yeah, doing
1: it right. Yeah, but that's true. And look, um, a lot of factors come into that, um, which is what we're probably going to talk about next is what are you doing off the bike or off your running shoes or out of the pool? What are the things you're doing uh, to make sure you hit those targets that have been set for you? Because they won't be set, you know, in our program, we don't set targets that are unachievable. We test you for your your power number, we test you for your pace running, we test you for your swimming time trial so that we set targets that paces that you can achieve that are going to progressively push you slightly each week. Mm. So, if you, you know, if you, at the end of the day, if you don't have those numbers um, at the forefront of what you're trying to achieve, then you're just really, uh, yeah, training blindly. Yeah, um, so,
0: So there's one more fundamental uh, which kind of comes in, it doesn't have to happen weekly, but that you said, and you've said this a lot of times, which is really important. And I guess throughout this whole show, there are there's gonna be a lot of things that you say a lot of times because they're quite important for people to understand, but um, it's this concept of racing practice and making sure that you're actually practicing the race that you're preparing for.
1: Yeah. Um...
0: Even if that's your fun ride. Right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, uh, we did talk about that a little bit with uh, the the local Trivello uh, Giant Bunch ride we have here. We we do the endurance ride on the Saturday, and I throw in some intensity into that. Yep. Um, but if you didn't have that opportunity to ride with a bunch, you would need to uh, simulate your particular race um, uh, requirements um, in a training session somewhere. So. And this is really fundamental for triathletes because the Ironman doesn't happen every three or four weeks. Mm. Um, you could have a year between um, races, mm. um, and that's the extreme. Marathon similar, you would only have, you know, two marathons a year, maybe, or you know, some some people can can really punch out three or four. Mm. Um, but you know, generally, so there's a big gap between um, your actual race. So you need these other race like. Practices we, call, you know, we call it training, but they're actually race race simulation practices. Um, so, if you're a time trialist looking, you know, if we look at the masters Australian masters time trial, it's a it's somewhere between sixteen and twenty k. We need to be practicing that that distance at that intensity on a regular basis. Mm. So that's the other fundamental that that we didn't mention in in the endurance, the high intensity, the recovery and the easy ride, we need to continually throw in, um, not all the time, so that we're not getting flat, but, but you know, so that it's, it's continually uh, measuring ourselves as well to see how we're going and to see uh, what our body responds to under that um, intensity. It's like uh, pre-season football, guys are fit, they're running fit, they're trained quite well, their, their skills are up, the minute they have the first practice match, they think they're in such great shape. It's such a shock every year. Guys are crazy. Yeah, and you're just thinking, well, I was fit. What, what's wrong with me? I've done all. But it's the it's the intensity that you get in the race yeah. or the football match that you can't simulate in training. And once you put a number on, mm. that is, you know, or you put your boots on or your spikes or whatever, you know, jump on, put your leg over the bike, what whatever you do with a number, it says you have to race today. There's a completely different intensity mm. attached to it. And I know myself, if I'm in a training ride, for example, on our group ride through the hills, you know, I'm starting to get dropped, um, you know, it doesn't matter. I know the hills another three minutes long. You know, I'll only be 15, 20 metres off the back. Yeah. Um, but if that was a race and the bunch is riding away from me, I'm not going to lose the bunch because yeah. I know that it could be another 50 minutes solo riding yeah. if I don't stay with them right now. Yeah. So the mindset is completely yeah. different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, people say, oh, it's a really hard training session. Well, it's never as hard as the race. Mm-hmm. So the more times you can simulate that race practice, um, that will be the final sort of uh, piece okay. in the puzzle to give you an all-well-rounded uh, program that will get you to achieve your best outcome on race day and you know people say to me all the time oh, not another ftp test or another another time trial well if you don't do that the first time you come to do that will be your race yeah. and your body will go what the hell yeah just you like that first practice yeah. footy match yeah. um yeah so yeah so yeah that's a really great point that you've mentioned is the uh, actual simulation of racing and if you can't get uh we call them b races or c races which is you know lower level club races or fun runs um as a build-up then you have to do that in your own training
0: a time trial or a, yeah,
1: yeah a time trial yeah, or, or an ftp test or um and you know a lot of the, a lot of my, all the athletes i coach will have those in their program yep. um yeah
0: perfect so that's that's really the fundamentals covered i mean i know you really harp on about uh, the one percenters um and there are you've narrowed them down to five pretty key one percenters that you think everyone needs to make sure that they're doing at least to some degree and the more you do the probably better off you're going to be yeah. Take a split of five.
1: yep absolutely um and look people are sick to death of me saying this um are you doing the right thing with your sleep sleep's the, the real key and look i'm in the same position I, I don't get enough sleep um but you know sleep is our as our the human uh, body's way of recovering um the longer you sleep um be- before midnight um the more chance you have Of of waking up better the next day Um, if you can be consistent with your sleep patterns um, and of course a whole lot of things come in to affect that the stresses of work family um, um, money um, relationships all those things affect and you know don't underestimate how much it affects your sleep if you're thinking too much about things that are not going well Um, and
0: the new research coming out is really showing how how important sleep is and how we've almost underestimated it. Um, we, we know it's important, but we've almost underestimated it. I mean, some of those stats coming out, which I, I don't know how true they all are, what I've heard, but uh, it's talking about, you know, people's people's recovery levels being at 50% capacity if they didn't get enough sleep, stuff like that, where you think the next day, if you're riding at 50% capacity, you're, you're really struggling.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's so much involved in the sleep, you know, the various stages of sleep, um, the, Period where we do recover, the period where we dream, the, the period where we're semi awake and mm-hmm. semi asleep. Um, you know, everybody in the world sleeps. Um, it's an amazing phenomenon when you think mm-hmm. about it. At, at, you know, at one point in time, everybody in Australia is asleep. Yeah. Um, and we all accept that that's what we should be doing. Um, but there's different levels and layers of sleep. And, you know, um, you know, there's a whole issue on, a uh, topic on, um, yeah. getting sleep, yeah. but, uh, but, on. To to yeah, but, uh, so certainly we, you know, a lot of the apps now are making, uh, a little bit of a headway in how well you slept yeah. and where you're restless and, uh, and fatigue from training can actually affect your sleep as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're over training, um, it will definitely affect your sleep.
0: Um, and obviously they reckon the increase in iPhone or you know, which the, phone the, use, yeah, as you're staring at your screen. Until-
1: yeah, the next, the next topic I was going to say with the sleep is uh, what are you doing before you go to sleep? Mm-hmm. And that is a, you know, that's a major uh, contributor to how well you sleep. So um, the idea is not to eat as soon as you go to sleep um, because the body actually has to digest the food. Mm-hmm. so you want to avoid that. you want to eat as early as you can. Um, as we get older, um, the older generation you know the, the joke is having dinner at 4 thirty in the afternoon <laughs> I and mean, that's going to the extreme because yeah. most people are still at work but yeah. um, but certainly the uh, earlier you eat the more chance you have of sleeping more relaxed. Um, if you've had a nice you know warm bath or um, and the the technology uh, screens having them turned off and you can also have the dimmer, um, function on your screen mm-hmm. where um, you're not giving the direct light to yeah. your eyes. You can dim the lights in the house. That's right. That, that it's, you hit that on the head. Um, uh, having the lights dim in the house, not having the bright lights, because originally when when man first um, came on this earth, there was no electricity. Yeah. So when it went dark at night. We went to sleep. Yeah. When the light came up, we woke up. Yeah. You know, That was a long time, could be 12 mm. hours. And if you live in the Northern Hemisphere <laughs> in Scotland, you could have four hours of daylight. Yeah. And in summer, you would have 18 hours of daylight. Well, in summer, they're awake all day. So, um, and look, there's some countries where there's only one or two hours of daylight. Um, and there's only one or two hours of darkness mm. in the in the winter. So, to sleep. Yeah, we we've gone on a little bit too long with the sleep. But, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it, I
0: should say as well, we we are a Scottish family, so we we can yeah. take the piss out of them. <laughs> wasn't a shot at Scottish people. That's
1: right. My father and my ma are Scottish. Yeah. So. Um. Number two. Yeah. Well, number two is really. Uh, um. I look. I think the massage and the foam roller it plays a really major role in uh, in how well your body's recovering. And um, I'm really keen on getting a massage once a week and the foam roller I'm staring at right now in the other side of the room. Um, if you're just sitting there watching telly, uh, it's a great time just to sit on it and roll your legs on it, sideways, frontways. It's a bit painful, I know. But, um, but if, you, if you do that regularly, you give your legs some chance of recovery. And um, I know that I played golf yesterday and my legs were not fit for golf and they were sore as anything after the last two days but i was on the foam roller and i woke up this morning really much better um so massage and the foam roller one or the other foam roller is free massage obviously costs Mm. money but that's i think a really important thing to to try and 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 uh implement into your program
0: definitely
1: um i think the third one is the and this is really a broad topic uh nutrition and i'm talking about uh the in-ride nutrition and during the week. Yeah. So nutrition can include hydration as well, so the amount of fluid you're taking in. But if you have a really hard, high-intensity session and you don't take your nutrition seriously um, in the ride and then post, the next day can be a problem because yeah. of that day. So if you did an endurance ride on the Saturday, which might have been three to six hours, um, if you didn't have the the fuel on the day, you might have got through the session okay, but if you didn't have the right fuel, you will be – um you know low in the electrolytes low in the carbs um dehydrated and then the next session the next day could possibly be compromised because of your lack of uh attention to detail with your nutrition and and especially on a uh, long endurance ride the recovery drink is really important uh, that you get some sort of recovery uh, protein drink into yourself uh immediately in the first 30 minutes mm. of of the ride and people say well sometimes that's hard because i'm commuting well have the recovery drink ready. Mm, you be know, organized. Yeah, be organised. Have a little esky, have a cold pack in the esky. Yeah. I've done that, you know, yeah. many Saturdays. Yeah. Um, that's what they called one percenters. That's right. Um, so you've got to go out of your way. Do the things that other people aren't prepared to do. That's what a one percenter is. Yeah. So uh, so the, the food intake during the week is really important as well. Um, but it's too broad a, a topic, yeah. really, to, to yeah. be to be discussing it's that. That's important for people to know. Yeah. Right, point four. Um, so I'm... I'm a big believer in strength and conditioning um, and I think uh, there that's a topic on its own off the bike, strength and conditioning um, where, um, you know, your body's in great shape to execute the intensity that you want to put it through on, on the, on the bike um, or as a runner uh, or as a swimmer. So if you're not doing those 1% off the bike, that that core work that gives you stability to not get a sore back when you um, jumped off the bike and you're a triathlon and you start running and oh gee i feel really average but um, i've never felt like this before after 180k on the bike you know if you don't have the strength and core um, conditioning um compared to someone who's just rock solid on the mm. bike gets off has no no issues and can run normally mm. um so many people i was at port macquarie watch get off the bike and I would like cripples. They, mm. you know, they they had really lost all form. Their posture mm. was poor. They were running, you know, bent over, couldn't stand up straight, mm. and it really affects the outcome of their result. And had they just done the strength and conditioning work, the one percenters, which again people trying to avoid, you know, I'm doing the program, I'm doing the riding, I'm doing the running, I'm doing the swimming. Isn't that enough? No, it's not. That's the difference between you know uh, you being uh, and also run or someone who's at the at the highest end of the of your uh, particular group um so yeah i think the strength and conditioning is
0: definitely and that's something i've been impressed with with you i mean a lot of people um tend to do that when they're younger but give that up as they get older and you always always made us as teenagers start getting into it and you would do it with us and you would smash us at the core and you still see a strength and conditioning coach once a week and yeah you've done that in the last 10 yep. years or so yep. and you're gonna keep doing it because it keeps you in shape yeah and
1: whatever method works for you um you know use that method if you need a strengthening conditioning coach and trivala coaching have amber johnson from first wave fitness for the local area um but you know use someone who can who can help you with that or um just do your own program that you know at some stage is going to um um, be a huge benefit down the track if you can be consistent with it
0: definitely and the last point this will finish us off yep
1: um, Number five. So the stretching. Yeah. Um, stretching is something that is a bit controversial actually actually, because um, there's, there's both arguments for both ways. Some people, some experts, I shouldn't say some people, some experts in the field say that um, too much stretching can actually injure yourself mm-hmm. um, and when do you stretch. So my rule of thumb is um, most stretching should happen after the session, uh, not before. Um, if you want to do stretching before a main race then you need to warm up well and then just do some light stretching but the majority of your of your serious stretching where you you know you might um, spend 15 or 20 minutes is straight after a session when you're totally warmed up and uh, the body can actually go to uh, lengths the muscles can go to stretch lengths that that because they're warm um, yeah. and that's going to be the most benefit and if you can be consistent with that um, you know you'll Probably be able to get in, for example, on a bike, uh, time trial position better than if you weren't flexible. Um, and you know, um, there's just so many examples of, uh, in swimming. If you've got poor arm and shoulder flexibility, um, your stroke length in the swim will be compromised. If mm. you've got tight hamstrings as a runner, you can't have a stride length that mm. you want. If you're a time trialer and you can't bend your back, you can't get into the aerodynamic position. Yeah. So they're just the obvious things that, that's
0: again a personal personal experience and um, kind of what feels better for you i know myself I'd, i'm on the lower end of not doing enough stretching but uh, especially running a lot more uh, than cycling when i do the long runs you know i really feel it in my ITBs, and when i stretch straight after a long run i get that relief straight away but if i just do the week if i just stretch in front of the telly i really don't get that same feeling so for me that's why i tend to be able to stretch straight after a long run because I actually want to do it. It gives me some relief, yep. but yep. I don't have the motivation to do it yep. in front of the TV because I don't feel like it's doing anything. That's right, and
1: I think if you structure it so that it's part of your program, okay, the run involves the stretch. Hmm. Uh, the ride or the swim involves the stretch. So that's actually part of the program. And, you know, one of the guys, um, not mentioning names, is brilliant at it, mm-hmm. He he has, and he records it on Training Peaks. Yep. Um, and if it's a blank there, and it's because he hasn't done it, and he's really honest with it because it's not something I'm putting in for him to do. So the same with the, uh, the strength and conditioning. It's if you know, if you want to be accountable to yourself for that, put it on training peaks um, and make sure that you've ticked it as a green. Um, and you know, they don't have to be long sessions, they can be a stretching session can be, you know, as minimum as five minutes up to 20 minutes yeah. or half an hour yeah. um, and, st- and the strength and conditioning can be the same you know you can just do a set of sit-ups and push-ups and and um you know um just some balance stuff uh, one-legged balance stuff in 15 minutes um calf raises um same with stretching you know you just go through a routine of stretching your hamstrings quads calves yeah. back um you know upper body arms shoulders you know it's it's all there for you to do and, and it's very minimal time Yeah.
0: That's a good way to wrap us up. That's uh, five pretty key things you can do on top of the fundamentals. And I'll say it again. The reason I was really keen to do this topic is because uh, this is something, um, a lesson that you've taught me, especially when I asked you to help me with a running program, was being humble in the training program because I thought I knew a lot. And I thought, you know, if I set my own program, I would do kind of more advanced stuff. Then you took it back to the basics and back to these fundamentals. And we always talk about these, these one percenters, which, again, no matter how good you are, you need to be humble and make sure that, truthfully, are you doing these fundamentals and are you doing you know, the 1% as to the best of your ability? If you do that, you're probably going to become better no matter what
1: level you're at. Yeah, and look, it, it brings to mind the uh, interview with Julian last week, you know, an Olympian. And, and you know, that was one of the things he said was just be be consistent and stick with the structured program, not trying to make it too complex. Just do the basics yeah. well. Um, and the fundamentals are doing that well. And, and there's no there's no secret formula that um, is out there that is making people better. It's actually doing the basic stuff Mm. um, 100%. Um, And if someone was to tell you that if you're going into an exam with all the answers, how confident would you be? Mm. Well, it's the same with um, trying to improve yourself as an athlete. I'm giving you all the answers, but you're choosing not to take them. You're choosing to select some of the answers and you're getting some good results. So the person who selects, all of the, the information that's given to them and, and executes it, they're the ones who are going to actually achieve faster and higher um, results in the end.
0: Perfect. That's a great way to finish. Well, um, thanks for joining me on the show. This is our first official podcast. That interview you spoke about with Julian was uh, we did the interview last week with NX Olympian, which will be uploaded as another show on here. Um, and that's about it. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, I think... At this point, most of the podcasters do say, you know, rate us, leave feedback, leave comments. So I guess if you want to give us some positive rating, I think that does help us. Um, I'm not too into the podcasting myself, but we're giving this a good crack. And (laughs) we're going to be doing these once a week. Uh, If you do have any topics that you want us to cover, definitely let us know. If you have any negative feedback, keep it to yourself. Uh, (laughs) And apart from that, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you each week on this show and
1: That's about it from us. Thanks, George. Enjoyed episode one very much.
0: Cheers. Bye.